Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. At the crux of my dissertation discussion was the question, if we have fun, if we don't just start with work, but if we start by having a little bit of play, a banter, a social engagement, Prior to delivering instruction, will we see learners want to learn more? Will we see them start to stay at instruction? Will we see them want to come over to the table? Will we see them gathering their materials? Can we impact the aversiveness that's associated with essentially homework or boring tasks or tasks that are just difficult? And when you work with the learners that we work with or that I work with, then you have an obligation to make sure that your teaching is as effective and efficient as possible because we are going to be experiencing a need for a higher rate of opportunities for responses to be given. Many children with autism have challenging behaviors and a lot of it is related to work and is reinforced negatively by escape from demands. This is not exclusive to children with autism but is uh, the population of students that were looked at for my dissertation. Um, when we talk about some of the conditions under which students try to escape uh, work, I think, you know, any teacher can kind of conjure up this image or even any parent, right, can conjure up this image of a child who is either sitting still willfully, you know, not engaging in a task or is outwardly um, sort of aberrantly engaged in some some serious challenging behaviors Um, and they present different challenges but a challenge nonetheless so with my dissertation study we had three participants they all were independently diagnosed uh, had autism we had parental consent for their participation had a nine-year-old girl um, who was educated primarily in a self-contained classroom Ariel and then I had an 11-year-old boy, Jonah, and a girl, Susanna, who were receiving their instruction in self-contained classroom, but also in a general education fifth grade classroom. There were some variations in their challenging behaviors, but it was all um, surrounding negative self-statements, negative statements related to work, um, aggression, self-injury, property destruction. I looked at a multiple baseline design. So what that means is I intervened with one individual, had a a baseline, uh, kept everyone in baseline, and then intervened with one individual and, you know, assessed or monitored, visually displayed the change in behavior. And then after that, implemented the intervention with a second participant. And then maintaining that third participant in the extended baseline situation. And then after an effect, intervening with a third participant. So this shows instructional control allows for that prediction, verification, and control. We can turn on and off a behavior or um, more precisely stated, we can demonstrate that the change in behavior is as a result of the intervention. And that's what we're trying to do when we look at having stringent experimental designs and we look at experimental designs that can demonstrate a functional relation such as the multiple baseline across participants design can do. Um, It was a little bit challenging to run functional analysis conditions in a public school setting. It was a little challenging to 
uh, have preference assessments conducted, but try not to become uh, in, in any way conditioned prior to the investigation that we were looking at. Um, we did have an observer agreement. There was an individual who is pursuing certification in behavior analysis who is trained and able to help. And we had video recordings as well um, so that we were able to look at the permanent products and go back and assess for not only uh, adherence with the procedures, but you know, did, did we get the outcomes? Are we agreeing with the data collection? And did we implement with fidelity the way that we intended? So prior to uh, intervening, what it looked like is a learner would come in the room and they would be sort of taking a break and then they would be cued to come here or come over to the table or come, let's work, and then would be presented with a task that was something they were familiar with, uh, maybe not the exact materials, but the type of instruction. So for Ariel, that's holding up a, a picture of a word and then having her use letter tiles to spell the CVC word. So sun, 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 and then she would grab the S, the U, and the N and compose the word sun. Um, for Jonah, for Susanna, it was like math equations. In the pre-session pairing condition, what was different was, hey, come on over to the table what do you want to do? Do you want to do this or this? And the learners were presented with a choice of two very highly rated, highly preferred, their most awesome things in the world. And they didn't have to, you know, work for it or jump, you know, through hoops for it. It was just freely delivered and available if they engaged with the item or activity with me at the place of instruction. So the only two real um, requirements is that it's an interactive um, that were, you know, both engaged in the item or activity. So for Ariel, that was things like dancing to music. Um, for Jonah, that was sharing a game on a tablet. And for Susanna, that was like bouncing a ball and having a little bit of a conversation together. So those were all things that we could do prior to me saying, all right, you know, do this or what's five times five, if you will. Um, but as soon as a two to four minute timer, and I, I left it variable in that way, it wasn't like the timer would change between two and four minutes. It was set to go off around two minutes and I would shut it off. And then when the song ended, when the level of the game activity ended, when there was a natural stopping point, always within the four minute window, um, went ahead and ended the activity. I didn't want to see it. We didn't want to see an abrupt and to, you know, highly preferred stimuli be the reason for challenging behavior. Um, what we were trying to do was give access to some kind of fun things and see if we could maybe, you know, neutralize is one sort of uh, hypothesis there. Um, what's going on in the environment for the learner. And what we saw was a sharp decrease in challenging behaviors. As soon as we um, built in those conditions where we were engaged in the pairing, um, challenging behaviors went way down for Ariel. That meant like 90% of intervals had been with some self-injury or property destruction or aggressive behavior attempts in there. And that dropped down to like 10%. So that was humongous in the first or second data point. Um, and then we saw also similarly robust results for Jonah and Susanna, their behavior being less, um, intense and the severity. And so the change was, you know, remarkable, but really was 
felt captured really well with Ariel. Um, and so, you know, a couple of different hypotheses and things came from this, but really as it's a preliminary study, it should be taken with caution and should be looked at with, you know, areas for future investigation. But, you know, does it have to be two to four minutes? Can we do it at ta- places other than a tabletop? Is it other places of instruction that maybe have become aversive? Um, have Has the instructor now become a condition reinforcer? And if so, doesn't the reinforcer come after the behavior, not prior to the behavior? It's sort of the chicken and the egg existential question. If you want to learn more about this, if you want to read this article, if you want to get um, information where you can have this access at your fingertips, then go ahead and check it out at www.behaviorbabe.com.